uh, sent or a, a number of you tried to access that. I got a couple of uh, notes. He had trouble accessing the market calendar, which I sent to you right when Chris started talking. <clears throat> I just sent it back to you, send you just the direct file. So you should have access to that. If you still can't get it, just shoot me or just when you go access, it'll let me know and I'll forward you over the info. It'd <clears throat> be good to go from there. Any questions from what we covered prior to? All right, let's keep plugging along then. So next section deals with more about stuff on the charts. Um, so what I want you to think of as, as a fast track student, you don't think of up, down, or sideways to the market. Really what you're doing is you're, you're paying attention to what the indicators show you, and you do that across all the charts, all the time frames. And when I say what the indicators show you, excuse me, <clears throat> specifically, what are they showing you when the candles reach a support or resistance level or an area? And remember, these support or resistance lines are only potential support or resistance. This whole process is driven by the indicators. And the first question we always ask is, what are the indicators telling you? What are they showing? It does not matter what you think. What matters is what are the indicators showing you? The indicators are the current evidence. And we're gonna have history that we can work with, but we wanna trade the current evidence. And you'll find that either it, it matches our history, and if we do, we trade boldly, or if it doesn't match the history, you trade cautiously. All you're doing is you back up the charts and you look at history and you find situations where the indicators are showing no signs of turning when the candles approach a support or resistance area. And when you find that, make note what often happens. And you look at enough of these and you'll gain a level of comfort with, uh, with how price will behave around these support or resistance areas based on what the indicators are showing as they approach it. It becomes blatantly obvious you just got to look at it. And don't just look at one or two. Go look at 40, 50, 60, 100 of them. And you'll start to see it. And you'll gain, you'll gain great comfort. What you'll see, if you want to take my word for it, but don't take my word for it. Go look it up yourself. It's your money that you're trading. If the indicators show no sign of turning, and when the candles are approaching that support resistance area, it's going to blow right through it. It may pause but the continuation is going to blow right on through. Just back up the charts, look at the history, and then find the situations where the, the indicators starting to come together or starting to turn as the candles support, as the candles approach support or resistance. And again, make note of what often happens. Go find a hundred of them. And you'll find if the indicators start to come together or starting to turn, then that potential support resistance area is likely going to be a support or resistance area. And just remember, those, those lines of support and resistance are only potential. You got to know what each time frame is doing at all times. That's APCAT, all the charts, all the time. And with that, you know what the potential support resistance is for each time frame. You always, always, always use an APCAT thinking. It's all the charts, all the time thought process. There's never a time that doesn't apply. 
and you've got to know what each chart time frame is doing at all times. And you got to know what the support resistance areas are on each time frame. It's really important. And what happens is when you do that, it keeps you from being surprised by a short chart movement, by a small chart movement, and it keeps you from getting crushed by a move on the big charts. That's why we use multiple monitors. Can't do this on a single screen. You got to see all the charts all the time. Next thing to talk about is the most important homework that you will do. And this is not a do it once and you're done. You're going to do this regularly. The goal with the homework is to develop or improve your ability to read charts and to be able to predict short-term price movement. This is freaking huge. If you'll do this exercise regularly, it's going to be able to help you, for lack of a better word, see the future. All that you're doing is you're simply looking at charts and determining where price will go. What I'd suggest you do, and do it exactly as it says here, don't tweak it, just follow the rules, it works. I did it, I've taught others to do it, they've done it, they've reached freedom. You don't need to tweak it. What you do is you spend about a month where you're gonna only, please highlight and circle the word only. Only look at the weekly chart just for this exercise. And then you're gonna do that for the market, do it for the sectors, then do it for stocks. Any ticker you want, move the charts back in time as far as possible. You can either use the control left arrow on Q charts, or you can use the go to date. <clears throat> go way back in time. And your objective is to do this for many of the years in the Q, in Q charts historical database and do it across many stocks. What you do is you look exclusively and only at the weekly chart. I don't care what the other charts are doing. It doesn't matter. And what I want to do then is predict what's going to take place for the next several weeks, which is really just what's going to take place for the next several candles based on what you see on that weekly chart. And what you're doing is you're looking to predict the direction of price. You're looking to predict what level it's going to get to. How long is it going to take? And what will everything on the chart look like when it gets there? And what's going to happen along the way? And then, this sounds weird if you consider this as homework. I want you to ignore your results. You don't care about your results because they don't matter. You're only looking at one chart on the prediction, excuse me, on the prediction homework. You're not using ATCAT. So you don't get to brag to yourself and boast to your friends or to yourself when you get it right. And you don't come whining to me or Chris, wanting to know why it didn't do what you predicted. Just do it again. Do it again. Do it again. As you go through this, pay attention to your emotions. You're going to hear the voice in your head talking to you. You move the charts forward, candle by candle, left arrow or right arrow, right arrow, right arrow. What this exercise allows you to do is to constantly practice and apply what you see in the charts. And also, most importantly, it trains your brain that it's okay to be incorrect. 
after about a month on the weekly charts, then spend the next month doing the exact same thing, but on the daily chart. Go through it exactly the same process. Now, I always get questions, well, if I'm doing the prediction work on the daily, should I look at the weekly? What do the instructions say? Just do it off one chart. And people argue back with me. And they'll say, well, yeah, but I don't do that in real life. It's like, yes, you do. You look at one chart, it tells you what it's going to do. You look at another chart, it tells you what it's going to do. And you look at another one, it tells you what it's going to do. The weekly is going to tell you what it's going to do for weeks. The daily will tell you what it's going to do for days. The 233 will tell you what it's going to do for half days. The 55 tells you what it's going to do for the next X number of hours. You put those together and you get a movie on how the stock's going to play out for X number of weeks. It's really cool. But you got to do it the way it's listed to get to that point. Don't try and shortcut it. You can't remember that I'm giving you a shortcut. This is why you spent the money to be here. And it's not my ego that says you can't do it quicker. You've got the shortcut. Don't you can't shortcut a shortcut. When you do this, I wouldn't spend more than about an hour per session when you're doing the prediction work. And when you're doing that hour, take a couple of breaks. It gets a little intense. Walk away, clear your head, and come back. So maybe do it for 20, 30 minutes. Walk away for a bit, come back later. So we start, you do it for a month using the weekly charts. Then you do about a month using the daily charts. And you can, next, or the third month, you can either go down to the 233 or go back to the weekly. Do it again. Do it again. Just keep cycling through. Do it again. If you'll do this, I will not be surprised if you get cocky about it by the end of the year. You'll get almost bored cocky about it because you get a really good sense on where price is going. And you keep practicing this for the rest of your life. Once you're good at it, you keep going. You keep rowing. You'll continually get better. And you'll be able to predict where the movements will go. But you got to consistently do this. If you do, you get good at it. It simply is a work thing. And you get good at it the more you practice, the more you work at it. I just got a text message. In fact, it's in my note. Some of you are going to ask, how often should I do this? I won't name the person. They just send me a text. How often should I do this? The answer, it's back to you. How good at this do you want to become? If you want to be a hobbyist, yeah. Go watch a TV program. A professional athlete practices all the time. And because of that, the people at the very top of that game, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, they make massive piles of money. But the one difference is they're relying on their body. And they have got a short career because they wear out physically. This is a mental game that we're involved. It's a mental endeavor. And you too can get paid massive amounts of money. The difference between you and a professional athlete is that you can do this until the day you die. 
average career uh, duration. Basketball, few league, a few seasons. Football, few seasons. Baseball, not much greater. You can do this till the day you die. And you just get to decide if you're going to do it. I can't force you to do it. But it's funny. The people that do it, and they get it, they keep doing it, and they keep doing it, and they keep doing it. And they are amazed when they meet someone that's been in class for a number of years, and that person isn't doing the prediction work because they can see the value. And that other person's still struggling, but they haven't put in the time and the effort. Got to plant your butt in the seat, in the chair, and just grind through it. When you get good at reading the charts and doing the prediction, it then just becomes about the mechanics of doing the trade. This is very, very powerful, and it's very liberating. It's probably the most important homework I ever give you. And you have to do it. You can't cheat off your neighbor. No one else is going to do it for you. And it's on you whether you do this or not. It does not make a bit of difference to me nor to anyone else whether you do it or not. I don't get paid more if you do this. I don't get paid less if you do this. But you will. It's totally on you. Any questions on the prediction homework? Read the text here. <laughs> Yasha, I like that. I saw that also. Uh, he typed something in. said, I heard a great line recently. It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. It's a great perspective about not staying in a trade when it hits your loss point. It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. Think about when you're executing against your trade plan. Hey, when are you on? Did you walk away? I'm here, Chris. I'm here. You do what? Uh, you do prediction work? By the way, did I did I let you know I was going to call on you today or this afternoon? Uh, no. No. Have we talked? We talked earlier today for a couple minutes. Sure. Right, but um, do you do prediction work? So you're pretty good at this, I think, right? Uh, every day in the market. You pretty good. You were those results pretty good. Uh, sure. Oh, you tell me. I like it. Okay. I mean, I'm loving it. <laughs> you, uh, how's your, how's your batting average? Tim talked about knowing his batting average. Do you know yours? Yep. And do you break it so, down across 20 trades or you break it down by type of trade? Uh, well, I break them by time frame and also by, you know, uh, months and stuff like that. Okay. And cool. different type of trades. Yep. And you know your, so you know your batting average? Yep. How about your brick rate? Do you know that? Uh, yep. Close to 100. All, all, most times 100. You know, there's maybe a time or two I, I didn't, you know, follow the brick, make a brick. So. Okay. No problem. And again, how often do you do prediction homework? Every day. Hour a day? 10 minutes a day? Six and a half while drinking coffee. 
so what he's saying is while he's sitting there if he's sitting there during the day he can watch the market he can do prediction homework while the market's moving he's doing it live and you get good at it he's not cocky about it right i'm not trying to get him to say whatever it is i'm not trying to get him to say but he's not gonna go, hey i you know i'm never wrong it's not that at all it's humility be good, good at. Hey, when I don't remember if you remember, I don't know if you remember when you started doing prediction homework. Do you know? Do you remember when you start getting good at it? Uh, not really. It just kind of happened. In the beginning, it was very frustrating. You know, it's kind of like I don't know what the you know what the heck this thing's going to do, kind of thing. Okay. But you just push and crank, you know. And eventually, the pieces start to fall into place. Sure, it's like you know working out, and then ask somebody, "When did you get fit?" They they probably couldn't tell you. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. I mean, you know, the, the you know, whatever, the, the win rates that the team is saying, right? Those, those are pretty typical if you do the work. Yep. You know, you should be in the 80s and 90s, right? Say that again. You should be in the 80s and 90s. You look on your, right. uh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. But, you know. That being said, right, you don't you don't have to trade that kind of um, win rate to do all this either. Mm. To be fair, and you didn't start off at that high of a batting average, I'm assuming. Oh heck no, I sucked in the beginning. You just get better and better. Sure, sometimes you know when I started, right? Sometimes I'm below, uh, you know, fifty percent. You go, man, I can flip a coin and be, uh, you know, higher than fifty fifty. Takes talent to get below fifty. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I must suck really bad. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you, sir. Yep, you're welcome. Questions on the prediction homework? This really is the yeah, most important thing you can do. I have a question, uh, Chris. Hey, Eric. Hey, uh, I'm doing the prediction homework uh, two ways. I'm doing the daily, weekly to 33. Uh, the second way is during the market open. The first two hours, I do the one minutes. Uh, now we are on a transition season. So there's more 55. Uh, the book say you, uh, you don't talk about the 55. You recommend to do the 55. Though. The reason I don't put the 55 in there, Eric, is because it gaps. Uh, yeah. There's a reason for it not being there. Got you, got you. Right, because you don't, you. the gaps tend not to hurt you on the daily 233. But the 55, it'll wipe you out. Got you. Makes sense. Okay. That's cool. good to know. What's up, HD? No, I'm just saying that's good to know. Thank you. Thank you for asking that question, whoever asked. Yeah, no problem. HD, what was the what was helpful in his question? What was he asking that you were unsure of? Oh no, just uh, the 55, whether we should do that or not. I mean. I, I don't do it just because it's not on the notes, but, you know, it's just nice to know that we don't have to do that one. Well, but HD, it's already in the notes. You already know not to do it. It says it, the second bullet after a month of the daily, either do the 233 or go back to the weekly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I know. Okay. No need to go to a 55, right? Because the, the gaps will mess you up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't know the reason behind it, but 
Yeah, that makes you sense. Never ask why. Why doesn't matter. <laughs> We're not an engineer. You don't need to know why. Just do. Gotcha. Okay. Yes, sir. Cool. Thank you, sir. Other questions? All right. Next page. Let's talk about the histogram. <clears throat> so the histogram is um, when you look at MACD, you'll see the red and the green lines, and then you'll see this little comb-looking thing um, in the middle of the indicator. And that's referred to as the MACD histogram. And if you look at the height of the bars, you see there's these little vertical lines that looks almost like razor stubble. And the, the height of those bars is the difference between the red and the green line at that spot. If you're an engineer, this will be the one time I will allow you without harassment to go get your micrometer and actually measure it. And you'll see, oh, it's right. It is point, you know, 0.042 inches or whatever the measurement is between the red and the green. And then you go measure the height of the bar. It's like, oh, look at that. He's right. Like, I know. That's what it is. Okay. So that's by definition what the histogram is. But now before we go talking more deeper on the histogram, let me give you some general trading points. Early in the transitional season, a move might last as much as 10 days, right? 10 days is, I wouldn't say, I would say normal. It's not a surprise. 15 days early in the transition is pretty rare. And if it lasts for a full month, that's really, really rare. But understand, if a move lasts 10 days, that's only two candles on a weekly chart. And if it lasts 15 days, that's only three candles on a weekly chart. And that's why we watch all the charts. What you're looking for are trades when you see the indicators confirming a potential support resistance area. And we look to trade that time frame or the next smaller chart. Always being aware of ATCAT. And so two or three candles on a chart may not be enough to change the indicators on that chart. Now, we talked about 10 days at the beginning of the transitional season. As you get toward the end of that and closer to the summer season, go back and look at it time. You'll see that the duration of moves becomes shorter and shorter and shorter. And as you enter into the summer season, moves are often less than five days. And you can watch for the spring low to likely be tested at some point during the summer. And so knowing those few things, along with doing the prediction homework described a little bit earlier, you will actually see trades coming to you. You get to be literally a predator watching your victim walk up to you. If you want to envision yourself as the animal, you see the little weak thing that you're just going to go out there and grab and eat. If you want to think of yourself as a thief, whatever, here comes the little old lady, oblivious, pocketbook hanging out of her, uh, or you know, money sticking, hanging out of her purse, not paying attention walking right up to you. Whatever visual you want to give yourself, that's fine. But you'll be able to see the prey coming toward you. You can stalk it, S-T-A-L-K, because you'll see them coming to you.
What I mean by that is if you see the indicators on the weekly chart have just crossed going down, then you know that the best direction for weeks is going to be a down trade. But then if you see a 233 trade, uh, 233 set up to the upside, remember the weekly's pointing down. Have we expected to go down for weeks? 233 now points up. You can trade it up if you want, but remember we're going against the trend, thinking about in Powell's terms. If you do trade it up, your expectation would be that it's going to be small and fast because the direction of the weekly chart is down. It's going to be weeks before that weekly chart turns and heads back north. Another way to do it is to watch that 233, ignore the uptrade. Let it run to what it's going to run to and see if it gives you then an entry heading back down on either the 233 or the 55. You get to see it coming to you in advance just by putting all the time frames together. Tim said it earlier, it becomes disgustingly easy. You have to develop, you have to develop the, the understanding of the charts by doing the prediction work. And then once you see that, then it's just a matter of being patient and waiting for that to waiting for that setup to show up. So now going back to the histogram, the histogram is not an indicator. All it does is it measures the distance between the red and the green lines on MACD. Some people get way too enamored with the histogram, not too smart. All it is, it's nothing more, it's like a road sign, roadside, road sign, as you're traveling down a freeway, down a highway. And it tells you that a possible turn is coming. But you don't turn there because the turn isn't there yet. Road sign gives you, you know, hey, the off ramp's coming up in a half mile. The road sign means you got to continue down the road in that direction before the turn becomes available. And that's what the histogram indicates, that there is a possible turn coming down the road. And you pay attention to the indicators. What are the indicators showing you? That's always your question. And that's all it does. MACD is wide, or sorry, MACD is wider, or it's not as wide. It doesn't say that MACD is going to cross. You got to continue down the road before turning to see if that turn even shows up. When you start to see the histogram get smaller, you got to look at the indicators. And keep in mind, it's just the potential for a turn. It does not guarantee that there's going to be one. For retirement, thinking ahead, you got to plan for it before you get there, not when you are there. Because once you retire, yeah, about two hours per week is all you look at the markets during market hours. That's cumulatively, unless you want to trade the really small time frames. And if you're able to get to retirement without doing that, there's no need to start doing it then. 
but part of your plan has to be what are you going to do when you retire? And most people never plan that part very well. You got to give serious thought to what it is you want to do when you retire. And the answer is not, I'm going to trade. You got to plan that before you get there. Vitally important. From a bullish perspective, we buy options near the beginning of a move. And then you sell before you reach the top. And so with that, we're selling options on the rise rather than on the decline. You gotta understand that. The reason for that is, and you'll get a little experience, you'll see this. Imagine you buy, you got a stock, stock's at 25. Gives you an entry, so you buy a call option. Stock rises up to 30. It's $5, it's 20% move on the stock. The price of the calls, when the stock is on the way up, and it gets to 29.50, so price is going, you know, the stock price going up, 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 stock price gets to 29.50, the value of the call at that point will be greater than when the stock continues going up to 30 and then comes back down to 29.50 on the other side. The value of the calls will be greater when it hits 29.50 on the rise rather than 29.50 on the fall. Track these on a few of them, you'll see what I'm talking about. Also, the calls will not be dramatically more valuable when the price is at 30 as opposed to when price was at 29.50. Don't get caught up chasing the cookie crumbs. You got to get every little drop out of the lemon. No. And remember, you run the risk that option price will be dramatically lower when it's on the decline back down to $29.50. You got to control the greed thing. Right? You're not going to get rich on any trade. It's about making a brick, throw it on the pile, getting on with it. The disciplined approach is just to close the trade and move on. That last little bit of a move is almost never priced in to the option. And so because of that, it's vitally important to buy on the rise and sell on the rise, not on the decline. You sell on the rise. You're going to like your results a lot more when you develop that discipline. I think it was when that I heard say this. I said, imagine you go out to dinner and it's a sit down place. Order your food, eat your food. Waitress, waiter comes up, drops the, uh, the bill on the table. It's a bill for $40, which means you went to McDonald's, you fed three people or whatever the price is. And now you say, well, it's $40. Well, let me tip the person. Let me tip the person for serving me. So you give them $45, $50, whatever it is. Think of that extra dollars that you leave, that five or $10 tip. Think of that as being the extra that you leave on the stock. When you exit it, not trying to get out at the very top. 
leave a little bit for the other person. It's good karma. And you know, you don't you don't complain about leaving a tip on the table when you go to the restaurant. No need to complain when you leave a little bit a tip on the table when you're doing a trade. Because <clears throat> again, what happens is if you sell on the fall, on the decline, even if you sold at the same value, that $29.50 in the example I was using, market maker's gonna eat you alive. And then what happens is you're gonna get depressed, you're gonna get pissed off, you'll be mad at the market maker. And the thing is, it's your fault. You did it because of your greed. It's, you see it again and again. It's pretty funny. Sadly funny. When we do our analysis, nightly analysis, we always, always, always start with the Dow. And I know there's only 30 stocks that make up the Dow. And despite there only being 30, the psychology of the world is wrapped up on what did the Dow do today? What's the Dow doing? It's the first thing they show you on the news. And that's why we start our analysis on the Dow. The New York Stock Exchange is the stock exchange is the lead for the world. When the New York Exchange is open, they're leading the world. When a market moving event occurs, Whichever market is open becomes the lead until New York opens, and then New York takes the lead again. So, for example, if there's a bad plane crash, a terrorist attack, or whatever, and the U.S. market is closed, typically Asia will be open, and it'll tank. And then Europe opens, and it's going to tank. And then the sun rolls around in New York. And when our market opens, our market's going to tank also. And it's going to continue with whatever market was open when that event happens to be the lead dog until all that news disseminates around the globe. And then we go back to New York's being the lead dog again. New York is the financial center of the world. And it always, and it is always, unless it's closed when there's a major world news event. And so it's important when you get up in the morning you listen to CNBC or CNBC Europe, listen to what they're talking about with regard to the Asian market and the European market and what they're doing. And it can give you a heads up as to what our market's going to act like, especially if there was a major world news event while you were sleeping. And it shows up in the futures. And it gives you an indication of how the market will open. Hey, Chris, are you on? Or did you walk away? And when he comes back, I'll show you something. We'll look at futures in a minute. All right, next thing we're going to, any questions on this so far? I have a question. What you got? About leaving money on the table. Uh, before we enter a trade, we establish our profit and loss targets. And what I'm, the message I keep hearing from you that we don't have to hit our 
profit target. If we're close, uh, it's okay to leave some money on the table. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, when you're new, yes. 